Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And oh my God, we have such a big guest today. Such a big guest. This is crazy. Oh my gosh. So today we have Graham Norton with us. And we've been talking about this on Instagram for the past few weeks. And I've been like so excited to share this with everyone. And it's here. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So what we didn't know, so Graham Norton is the host of the biggest late-night TV show in the UK. But what I didn't know before we started talking to him about being a guest was that he's also an author and not just memoirs, but he's written fiction. And he's so good at writing fiction. Oh, my God. So we talked about everything. We talked about celeb stories. We talked about his writing. We talked about his new stint on Drag Race UK as a judge. Like, ugh, I'm excited. It was really cool. I don't even want to talk about us, but I mean... We have to. It's what we do. Yeah. But before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by Night Pillow. So as you know, Night Pillow is our favorite pillow. We could not sleep without ours. We're going to tell you more about it later, but if you want one, you can take 20% off using code BOP20 at discovernight.com. So Grace, what's your high? So this episode is dropping on Wednesday, and we we recorded this on last Thursday. And so tomorrow, Friday, which will have been last Friday, is my birthday. So I love birthdays. I love celebrating them. Future Grace will have had a wonderful little staycation at the Carlisle. I had done a project with them about a year ago, and I'd been saving my one-night stay for a special occasion. I thought I'd have a boyfriend or something, but I'm doing it, and we're going to dinner. Are Um, you buying yourself a birthday present? I don't think so. I don't have anything I really want. I don't know. Maybe I've been thinking about getting a neon sign for my apartment so we'll see. Maybe that. Okay. Um, And I'm having a, a, a rager on Saturday. So we'll see if I'm still alive. I um have so many friends coming over. It's a tropical fruit theme, which is very important because I love tropical fruit. I just ordered, ordered a dress specifically for it. Oh, my God. I love it. And we have – I got all these fun novelty sunglasses and a bunch of other things. I'm not going to say what they are because they're surprises for you. Oh, great. Yes. And – My other high is that we, as you listen to this, we're in San Francisco for our live show. And I love San Francisco. I don't get there enough. Um, It's a great city. We have a lot of friends there. So I'm excited. What about you? Okay, so I also have two. So my low last week was that I was being very hard on myself about working out. I'm getting back into working out after being not very regular about it over the past four or five months. And so I decided as my solution, because I was comparing myself to past me and finding my current self lacking, that I was just going to try really hard workouts because then I wouldn't expect to be good at them. <laughs> you know, like if you if you do something new and really hard, like I wouldn't go in and be like, I'm going to rock this. I'd be like, I'm going to be mediocre at this. So I tried two new workouts the past week. I tried solid core and then I tried SLT, which are both mega former Pilates workouts so hard. Which are basically just related to Pilates in that they're on a reformer. It's really hard. But anyway, I was really proud of myself for doing two new things because usually when it comes to workouts, like I am a very habity creature. I go to the same instructors. I go to the same classes. So I was was proud of myself. I didn't do great at either, but I was very sore. The good news is you can only get better. Exactly. And I'm, I'm encouraged. Like I feel motivated. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. And then my high is that we're kicking off our fall tour this week. Yeah. So we have 
six live shows across October and November, and our first one's in San Francisco tonight. Yeah. So if you guys are listening and you live in San Francisco, come. Please. Tickets yeah. are at badonpaperpodcast.com backslash live. We're so excited. Jasmine Guillory, who is the author of The Wedding Date and that whole series, is going to be there. And we have been trying to get her to be a guest on the podcast since we started. So this is a huge deal. I'm such a fan of hers. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. We also have Elizabeth Holmes joining us. It's great. Not Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, who used to report for the Wall Street Journal and um, started so many thoughts. It's going to be great. Yeah. Hopefully next week I'll, we'll be able to report it officially as a high. Yes. What about lows? So I didn't have one, um, but my great uncle is really sick. So just say a little prayer for him. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's just sad. Um, but other than that, it's been a, a nice week. Um, but I'm just I'm worried about my family. Well, now mine feels very frivolous. Well, usually our lows are fri- fr- frivolous. I wasn't even going to talk about this because I think that we usually talk about like real champagne problems over here. So I speaking of real champagne problems, I have been doing a lot of online fall shopping. And I would like casually say that I've bought the whole internet. Freeze. I feel like you did this last year. I did. I did. This is my. <laughs> this is this is like a repeat low. It is. Rebecca gets a little drunk and goes online, buys the internet, and then returns the internet. Return the whole internet. I have liked out of all of the stuff I bought, and I bought so much, like thousands of dollars worth of stuff. Not because I'm like with the expectation that I would return most of it. So I wanted to like you know bring the shopping to me. Grace, I have liked one thing so far. It is Aww. so pitiful. So I'm I'm part shopping for dresses for. The live show um, and like all the live shows after that, but then also just like fall clothes. And it's like, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I don't know. There's a big shop op sale right now. I already looked. I mm. I already bought and returned the things that I wanted. Okay. Yeah. So um, don't feel bad for me. I'm just trying to find cute fall clothes and I'm not doing great. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm like a very hard rent the runway unlimited convert. So that's like where I get most things for special that's events but then sometimes i'll like find myself like needing to go out to dinner or needing to like go to a big meeting and i'm like oh i hate all of my actual clothes yeah rent the runway has been a game a game changer for me personally i feel like it's just so fun to try new things that you might not want to buy or like oh yeah that's where the dress that i got for your party is because it's like yeah a tropical fruit themed thing and i wasn't like hmm let me invest in a tropical fruit-themed dress that I will wear I'm exactly once. a skirt to my party, which is also from Rent the Runway. I know. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would like more fall things in my wardrobe that I like. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So we already talked about our San Francisco show, but one other hot reminder before we get into this interview is that our New York City show is on sale. It went on sale like a month after all the other ones. So in case you haven't been listening, because I know we've had book episodes that not everyone listens to, New York is on sale. It's selling really fast, which is exciting. Because the other ones aren't. (laughs) True. Um, We are going to have amazing guests. If you're in New York or live nearby, come. It's on a... I think it's on a Friday night, right? Yeah, it's on a Friday night. It's the day after Halloween. Grace is going to dress up like a goldfish cracker. Maybe. So, yeah, come have fun with us. Badonpaperpodcast.com backslash live for tickets. But before we get into our interview with Graham Norton, let's take a quick minute to talk about Night Pillow. 
Today's episode is brought to you by our favorite pillow, the night pillow. So we were just in their offices last week, which was so much fun. They have so many new products launching. They have all these great travel products. They have some beauty things coming, and they have colorful pillowcases. I'm so impressed by them. They're a four-person team, all women, and they have so much going on. I'm excited to try all of it. So we want to talk to you more about Night Pillow, the original pillow. And I think there's an important question that I need you to ask yourself. Are you obsessed with your pillow? I'm obsessed with my pillow. And well, my- yeah, because you have a night pillow. Yeah, because I have I, well, I have two night pillows because I'm just waiting for my Prince Charming to come and sleep on my night pillow. But um, I've had mine for four years, long before they had they became a sponsor. Um, I've had a lot of time to test this out, and I have to tell you, I am completely obsessed with it. And it's really fun because we get DMs every week from listeners who are obsessed with their night pillows. So that's really fun to see. So if you haven't heard us talk about it before, the night pillow has been called the most comfortable pillow in the world by celebs and influencers alike. So it's this memory foam pillow with a silk case. So the pillow cushions your head and it doesn't turn into a pancake halfway through the night, which is important to me because that always happens with other pillows. And the silk case has serious benefits for your skin and your hair. So obviously we've been talking about this pillow for a while now. And the number one question we get is, is it worth the money? And we get it. It's $150. But also, you do spend a third of your life asleep. So it's an important investment. And one thing that I always like to tell people is that they have a really great return policy. So if you're not happy with it, you have 101 nights to sleep on it. And if you don't like it, you can send it back and get a full refund. But I'm I'm pretty sure that you're not going to want to. But I think that trying is believing. Like, I don't know. Agreed. Don't take our word for it. Go test it out. Yeah. So it really is the best pillow. If if you're ready to try it yourself, we have a little offer for you. You can visit www.discovernight.com to learn more and take 20% off your purchase using code BOP20. Again, that's 20% off your order at discovernight.com with promo code BOP20. Let's get into this interview. You guys... Today's episode, our host needs no introduction. We're so excited to have him here. I'm a little bit nervous. We have Graham Norton with us. He is the award-winning host of The Graham Norton Show, which is one of the most popular programs in the UK. He's also the author of the best-selling memoirs, So Me, and The Life and Loves of a He-Devil. He lives in London and is the author of two novels, the first one being Holding, and most recently, A Keeper, which I just finished reading this weekend and absolutely loved. Yay. So we're so excited <laughs> to have you here, Graham. Um, it's lovely to be here. Thank you very much. We're so excited. It's it's such an honor. We gave you a very brief intro, but we would love for you to share in your own words who you are and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Like the elevator Graham pitch. Okay, this yeah. is a very AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> my name is Graham, um, and uh, I'm Irish, um, 56, live in London, um, failed as an actor, uh, but the wanting to show off gene was strong within me, so I <laughs> I ended up doing stand-up, and then 
from that with a bit of luck and tenacity i think those are the two things you always need i ended up with a talk show a chat show on tv and i've been doing that for the last 21 years oh my goodness and i've i've kind of gone in various other directions and it was only when i turned 50 i just i thought you know what i'm one of those guys i've always said i'd love to write a novel like so many you, yeah. you meet a lot of them i imagine <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I just thought, well, either I need to shut up about this or do it. So um, I woke up, age 52, a debut novelist. I'd written my first novel when I was 52. And it's so nice talking to young people. And it's so nice to kind of, because I, when I was your age, I just assumed your life stopped around about 35. <laughs> uh, nothing else. You made no new friends. <laughs> you stayed in that apartment. That was it. So it's quite nice to kind of do something so big in your life so yeah. kind of like a proper other career yeah uh this late on mm-hmm. that's so exciting well we want to talk more about your book but first can we talk a little bit about you of course you can so first of all we we crowdsourced the questions from our audience we got so many and so many people were just so excited we got a lot of i love hims okay. just a lot of i love him oh, that's nice yeah. like i'll take it thank yeah. you very much and a lot of people were like referencing esoteric youtube clips they were like that's my favorite this moment <laughs> People were very excited. But so the show that you host has like a very different format than U.S. talk shows. And you bring on groups of celebrities to chat. So one of the questions that we got, and I'm very curious, is can you tell us about the structure? Is it like intentionally grouped? Is it totally random based on who's available? Like, I mean, always, always it's a bit of both. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can come up with a dream lineup, but they're not there. So, um, (laughs) So what we tend to do is... Go for your star booking first. Okay. So, like, the biggest star. Yeah. So, if you've got Tom Hanks, you kind of build from there. You kind of think, oh, who would be good with Tom? Who would yeah. he like to, you know? Or And if it's someone like him, then you can go to kind of a British celebrity and kind of go, look, I know you're a huge Tom Hanks fan. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. you want to sit on the couch and meet him? Because celebrities are just like us. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, you know, you know, they fanboy and fangirl people as well. Um and any and, like really good fan girl fanboy moments you can remember? Oh, um, oh no, there's a oh I can't remember the name of the guy. He's in a band years and years. Yeah. Do you know the pop band years oh, and yeah, years? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lead singer of that, such a sweet boy whose name now escapes me. Please don't tell him. And he came over and sat beside Rihanna. She was on for Oceans something. Okay, and. Like, he really did sort of lose his mind. He was so excited and happy to meet Rihanna. And it was just lovely. I felt like I was doing, like, Make-A-Wish Foundation or something. Oh, you know, my one God. Of the- <laughs> no, wait, does he know that Rihanna's going to be there? Oh, yes. But time had not diminished his excitement. Okay. Oh, okay. It had only built. Yeah. So he was backstage watching and knowing, in a minute, I'm going <laughs> to be sat there beside her. Ollie. Ollie Alexander, I think that's okay. his name. Yeah. That's Are you amazing. ever starstruck? Yes. I mean, uh, I sort of, I'm not quite as bad now, but, and I'm not normally starstruck. Normally it's just, you know, you kind of introduce them. And then after a second, they stop being famous and they just mm-hmm. become a person. Because, right. Because, you know, they've got nostrils and, you know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just a person. Um, but Tom Cruise, there's something about him. You don't ever get past the fact that it's Tom Cruise. Even Tom Hanks becomes sort of a man. Uh-huh. Will Smith becomes kind of a person. Uh-huh. Tom Cruise is just a movie star. 
It um, feels like he just exudes that like nonstop. Yeah. Is he just always? I, look, I have no idea. I The only time I've met him is when, when you've seen yeah. me, when yeah. people have seen me meet him. So I have no stories beyond okay. uh, that. The only thing I will say is he does this thing. Uh, and if any of us could learn how to do it, we'd probably be as successful as he is. That when he gets out of the car at the studio, he gets out of the basement and he's introduced. Oh, this is Catherine. She's the line producer. This is Pete. He did the research chat with you. This is so-and-so who's going to look after carry your wardrobe, blah, blah, blah. Down the line, you know, five, six people meets mm-hmm. them all. An hour and a half later when he's leaving, he's going, bye-bye, Catherine. Thank you so much. You produced the line so well. And Where's Pete? Where's Oh, there's Pete. Pete, thanks so much for the picture. Oh, my God. It's I've heard that genius. about him. And those people now worship him. Of you know, course. You never forget that. They are on a Tom Cruise high for weeks. Yeah. And it's clearly a trick. It's clearly a right. thing you learn how to do. But none of us are bothered to do it. I uh, don't think I could do I can't remember Grace's name half of the time. I have such a hard time with names and I get so upset at myself. Especially if I have like one sip of alcohol, I've completely forgotten everything. And do you know what really annoys me? People getting offended when you forget their name. Yeah. It depends on the context. I'm never offended. Uh, no, I, don't, I don't think there is no. There is no context in which it's right to be offended. They forgot your name. Who cares if they met you 15 times? It doesn't matter. If they've met me 15 times, I'm offended. Really? Yeah. Let it go. I'm not. I don't, I don't care. You don't have to know my name. No. It's the egotistical it's part of me. No, I don't care. I really don't care. Wait, what's your name again? Exactly. See, I don't care. <laughs> I just so don't care. Who yeah, are you? Yeah, just press play back. Press rewind. You'll find out. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> so wait, do you have a great white whale of somebody who has not been on your show that you would just totally lose it over? Um, Who's living, I guess. Yes. It can't be Le- like, let's fictional. Go with, let's go with living. Um, I... You know, it's one of those things. For years, I had lots of names mm-hmm. to reel out. And now, one by one, we're landing the whales. Wow. So they're all, you know, we've, you know, people who we thought we'd never get, like, mm-hmm. you know, George Clooney mm-hmm. or Madonna, people like that, we've now had. Um, so the only outstanding ones I can think of are we've never had Julia Roberts. Okay. We've never had Brad Pitt. Well, Julia listens, so we'll just oh, make sure. You? Oh, no, <laughs> That's great. She's a, I'm sure she's she's a, a huge fan. She's a voracious reader. <laughs> Well, children's books. She she must read children's books. Something. Something. Yeah. Um, uh, So we've never had her. Okay. Um, But there aren't many left. Oh, and royals. We'd always have a royal. We've never had a royal on. Yeah. That would be great. Who would say no to Meghan Markle? Well, we wouldn't. Yeah. She might say no to us. (laughs) Yes. Um, a lot of people asked us what you, who your favorite and least favorite guest is. And we felt like that's like, we don't want to have you spilling any tea, especially talking negatively. Yeah. But I want to know who your funniest guest is. Who made you laugh the hardest? Ooh, um, Joan Rivers used to always make us laugh. Oh, of course. Um, like really, 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 really hard. Um, though, isn't it funny? Timing is everything. Yeah. And I was so sad when when Joan passed away. But now, five years later, I'm sort of not glad she's dead. But, but if she came back to life, but if she came back to life now, she would be so confused by comedy. True. Like, yeah. I don't. I think she'd be cancelled. What would Joan Rivers think of Pete Davidson? Um, like you just have to think of like current people who are like hip, like. Ooh, I don't think Joan Rivers would like no, them. Joan wouldn't like him, but also I, I I don't know where her act would play now. That's true. You know, because we have, you know, and rightly so. You know, I'm not, this isn't me complaining. I think comedy needs to change and our sensibilities need to change over time. And jokes I did 15 years ago, I would not do now. Right, of And I would apologize for them. But happily, I, you know, when I was coming up, there wasn't Twitter. I mm-hmm. wasn't 
putting out my smart mm-hmm. ass things out there yeah. to be discovered <laughs> years later <laughs> yeah. and then be canceled. So uh, I'm lucky that people are too lazy <laughs> to, yeah. to, to go back into archives and find old tapes. Um, but yeah, I wonder what would happen to Joan. But anyway, I digress. Joan, absolutely hilarious. There's a, an actress called Miriam Margulies who uh, is a kind of, not a regular, but she she comes on our show more than some other people just because sure. we adore her. Yeah. And she is so funny and she really makes me laugh because the other guests particularly the big american star they genuinely generally don't know who she is mm-hmm. and so they see just a little old lady on the couch <laughs> and they think oh that's cute like she's a judy dench figure or something mm-hmm. sure. you know and then out she comes with these stories which are so wild um really really kind of sexually explicit oh wow and yeah she's terrific that's Go- not where i thought oh, this google was going oh google her okay, okay. I'm going to. yeah we have she's, homework yeah she's outrageous okay what about do you have any like juicy guest stories you can share like what's the most scandalous thing that's happened on the couch like is there a time that something went totally wrong um i'm trying to think sometimes i don't know that something's gone wrong um <laughs> Actually, there's a, a Joan Rivers, Alicia Silverstone moment uh, where um, we were, Alicia Silverstone, I got her to tell a story about how she was chased through an airport by paparazzi who were all shouting fat girl, fat girl at her. Oh, no. Oh my God. When she was bat girl. Do you remember? Yeah. And oh. so they were, the paparazzi were all chasing her, shouting fat girl, fat girl. And she had to hide in a wheelie bin uh, till... They went. So it's sort of half a horrible story, half a funny story. Right. You know, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, she tells the story. Uh, Joan Rivers is super sympathetic. You know, how horrible you were being chased by the paparazzi, calling you that's terrible stuff. And Alicia, good as gold, smile, never shifted. Her eyes never, you know, wavered. After the show, she revealed to me that it was Joan who'd come up with Fat Girl. Oh, my God. Joan. (laughs) At the Oscars or on some red carpet, she came up with Fat Girl. Oh, God. And I thought, hats off to Alicia Silverstone for not cracking under pressure. I'm just screaming at her, going, you came up with it. Yeah, you did this, Joan. She must have been so angry inside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh um, but bless Joan. Joan, I don't think Joan was lying. I think she was oblivious. Yeah, she just didn't know. She didn't know yeah. she'd come up with it. But yeah. Oh my god! Here's wow. a random one. Somebody asked, "What guest smelled the best?" Ooh, uh, J Lo. Oh, yeah, I was bet. she wearing J Lo perfume? That I don't know. <laughs> but J Lo seems like somebody who smells good. But yeah. J Lo's one of those people who you kind of think like, uh, "Are you an alien?" Because there's something so she's. It's it's like she's airbrushed in oh, yeah. life. You she's know, so one I'm, of those celebrities with no nostrils. Like yeah. you're yeah. just like, oh my god, she's and, got the Tom and, and you know the way like anybody does their hair. There's yeah. all, it doesn't matter who you are. There's bound to be like a little tiny, like, a single hair just drifting a bit or yeah. wafting the Not nothing. Jayla. No, it's <gasps> it's just like a photograph coming to life. And it doesn't seem to cost her anything. You know, she's relaxed. She's funny. She's having a nice time. Yeah. But but yet put together in a way that, I don't know, it's it's sort of, it's like a kennel club thing. Or, and yeah. good smelling. And very good smelling. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I like that about her. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We want to talk about the book. Okay. For the listeners, Graham has a new book that just came out. We mentioned it earlier. It's called A Keeper. It's right in front of me right here. Yeah, it is. Um. <laughs> Graham, I have so many questions for you. Like you oh. write, 
you you do comedy. You are so funny and so charming on your show. And then you wrote something that is quite dark at times, at least. Yeah, I think, you know, there's an odd uh, predicament being, uh, you know, certainly in the UK. It's What I'm about to say is kind of irrelevant here. I'm aware mm-hmm. of that. People, <laughs> people might have seen some YouTube clips. But, you know, I'm not a big star here. People don't know who I am. But in the UK, when I decided I want to write a book, so any aspiring authors, apologies for this bit. So because I'm man off the telly, I just go to a publisher and say, I'd like to write a novel. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, yeah. thinking, well, we'll sell some copies. Yeah, put your people name want to know we'll sell what it's going to be like. Later. So um, that's how I got the book deal. So apologies for that. I know that's the most awful thing if you're trying to get a book deal. Um, but then... The fact that your name's on it means you get a book deal. But the fact that your name is on it also kind of messes with the reader book experience. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know about you, but I'm reading a book. I I find it the most kind of intimate entertainment where you, there's nothing between you and those pages and that world. You're in there. I never think about the author. I rarely remember who's written the book. Yeah. Um, I'm, but I will remember maybe the name of the book or the plot or the sure, characters. Sure. And so I didn't want my name on the cover to wreck that. I didn't want to be reading over somebody's shoulder and getting in the way of that. So what I tried to do coming to the novels was to get me out of them as much as possible. So you're right. There aren't jokes in them. They're not set in London or the media. There's no whiff of pop culture or celebrity. Um, in the first book, there were no gay characters. And that was, a kind of, again, a deliberate decision to just to get me as far away as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, you need to write about something you know. And it turned out that when I kind of went back, what do I know anything about that, <laughs> that might resonate with anybody? <laughs> uh, it was living in Ireland in the 80s. So <laughs> that's kind of where these books have ended up, okay. is, is in that Ireland I know, with a bit of modern Ireland as well. And it was kind of nerve-wracking because I haven't lived there for a long time. Yeah, um, I spend a lot of time there. Uh but I was very nervous. I thought, what are Irish people going to make of this book? Like, have mm-hmm. I got it wrong? And happily, no. The, like, the the books have done really well in Ireland. Irish people really like them. So I'm sort of, I feel vindicated or at least, yeah, just I got away with it anyway. You've done well by them. Yeah. And you also write so well from a woman's perspective. Did you do anything to like get into character there? Because both the main character and her mother, I felt like they seemed like such real people. Like as a woman, I really identified to parts of, you know, the loneliness and. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's always a, you know, I think that's moving forward. That's going to be an odd thing for us all to, to navigate. Can men write women oh, can it's a women whole thing. write men yeah uh, you know and i don't know i think you can until you can't you know if if i'm glad those women struck you as real yeah very women who you know thought and acted uh like real people um uh, so hopefully i did get away with it i think in the end uh you know there's more connecting men and women than not. Mm-hmm. So particularly in these sorts of situations, when it's about heartache, when it's about loss, when it's about, you know, an, an all solved family mystery or something, I think surely our brains work a bit similarly. Of um, writing about women, I think, is more interesting mm-hmm. than writing how, about how men. How so? Well, because men are quite simple in <laughs> many ways. I think women have to be 
more nuanced just to navigate their way through the world you have to i think read situations differently i think you have to establish relationships in different ways and i think maybe gay men have some of that as well um so perhaps that's part of it yeah. um whereas i think just you know a big white straight man um approaches life in a very different way than we might um and certainly that's what makes me nervous about writing uh a straight man i haven't in my first book oh interesting yeah so in my first book uh the main character was a straight man okay but what i but he was a policeman a guard in a small town and he was also sort of morbidly obese so there were these two things that made him an outsider yeah so he engaged with other people in a different way. Yeah. Um and that was my kind of experience growing up in Ireland was I was a bit of an outsider because Okay. Yeah, I was a Protestant in Southern Ireland. Uh you know, when everyone else is Catholic. Yeah. You know, back when those things That really mattered oh, back then. Oh, it really mattered back then. Yeah, back then. All right. <laughs> back off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean in like the that. shrouds of mystery. Sorry for offending you. No, 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 no. You so didn't. But uh but yeah, so I was a bit of an outsider. So I think that's why I was comfortable writing that man. Um, yeah, and and it and it's a kind of I think it's a specific thing to me that I suppose if I wrote a man in these books, readers certainly in the UK would sort of think it was me. Right? They'd oh just, yeah. They just read that into it, mm-hmm. and so it's it's trying to prevent that but but still by making it seem you know authentic and and plausible right well wait tell us a little bit about the writing process so you walk in and you say hi i'm grand norton i'd like a book and they give it to you (laughs) and then you were like oh wow i really have to think about this because my name is on it and so i don't want it to be like me but then did you have the idea for the story did you have like did you know what it was going to be or did you kind of figure it out as you went i had an idea um, in the, with the first book, and it was a really sort of bleak romance, a kind of terrible, thwarted romance, um, and just years of loneliness. And that's and again, it came from uh, being on a walk with my mother and her showing me this house that had been kind of all overgrown and forgotten. Kind of nature had just taken the house back. And uh, and there were three sisters, and one of those sisters had been in love with the man who owned that house. Blah blah. Um, now I just thought, well, I'm not good enough to write that book. I don't know how to write that book. I, I'm not confident that I will make that an interesting read. Yeah. You know, I think someone else definitely could, <laughs> uh, but not me. So I turned that into a kind of a murder mystery, and I gave it absolutely the structure of a murder mystery you know a body is found a second body is found the detective is life is in danger and that made me feel sort of confident going into the novel in that i was doing a very tried and tested formula it was a structure i knew i'd read a lot of those books i kind of felt it was okay what i discovered writing the book was actually all the other bits were the bits that interested me, the relationships, um, the, the sense of place, um, all of those I found more fun to write. And actually, yeah. the thing that was supposed to help me, I found it quite constraining. 
So when it came to this book, there's still a lot of plot because I like plot. I think we all do. Right. You know, I love a you know beautiful metaphor, great. But I want to know why I'm reading this book. I'm I want to know there is a story and mm-hmm. I'm going to get to the end. Um, so this book I kind of released from the formula. So yeah, this one still has a kind of an element of mystery to it, um, but I think it's sort of less formulaic than the first one. Okay. Was it easier or harder the second time around? And both, I suppose. It was easier in that I knew I could get to the end of a book. I knew I would be able to type the end. Right. I don't want so I can do it again. Harder in that the first book was a success. So people are going, oh, I really love the first book. And you're thinking, this book isn't that like that. So what? (laughs) they all hate this one. Right. Uh, So that makes it harder. And I, I suppose expectations from you know, your your publisher um you know i think i i've i've interviewed a few authors who've had one of those books that just went so big you mm-hmm. know um and you, you realize that like how do you write a book after that right after you've had a book that you know after you've ri- written you know the girl on the train right or you know and then Gone everyone's Girl. always so critical of this. Well, everyone yeah. wants this, like, like the same magic, but not for it to be exactly the same. same. If Gillian Flynn was like, no, now I wrote, write like epic fantasy novels, people would be like, no, don't do that. No, like yeah. dark yeah. mysteries. And she hasn't had a new one in forever. No, you're right. Well, yeah. she's probably stuck. Yeah, I would be. Yeah. Who's the Australian man? Yeah, I think he wrote The Book Thief. And he just wrote Bridge of, Bridge of Clay. Well, it's uh, like, you know, it's taken him about 10 years to write Marcus Zusak. Yeah, Zusak. Yeah. And he took forever to write this this the Bridge of Clay. Um and you felt so sorry for him. Right. Because it wasn't just him thinking, Oh, I'd like a successful book. There's a publishing house. There are booksellers. There are all these people who are waiting for your new book thinking, here comes our payday mm-hmm. because he's the guy. He's the guy right. who sold millions and millions of books. Um, so that's an enormous pressure. Uh, you know, I have yet to experience that pressure. So that's well, all good. I mean, there's also George R.R. R. Martin out there who's just paving the way for just never finishing your book. I so, know. you know, you can go that route. Hilary Mantel. When is she going to? Is. I don't know who that is. Oh, Hilary Mantel? Oh, she wrote... Um, Bringing Up the Bodies, and uh, what was the one before that? I don't know. Oh, she won the Booker twice. Both okay. of them won the oh, Booker. Wow. It's all about Cromwell. You okay. do know these oh, books. Oh, okay. You do know these books. No, I don't think we do. We're medium brow readers. Oh, yeah. no, these are good. Really, really, really great. Okay, okay. Um, what the hell is the first book? The first book's so famous. Bringing Up the Bodies. Hilary Mantel. Oh, do Google this, because this will drive okay. me crazy. yeah. This is a bit like being on the phone with my mother. Um, Wolf Hall. Wolf Hall. You've heard of Wolf Hall, right? No. No, I haven't heard of it. Does this need to be our book club pick? Uh, Wolf Hall (laughs) is brilliant. Uh, Bring in the Bodies, I think, is even better. But there's supposed to be a third one in this trilogy. And it's been forever. And it's been forever. And I think she can't finish it. I think she's really struggling to get to the end. Yeah. Um, oh, honestly, do yourself a favor. Okay, great. Read great. both these books. They're very hard to get into because, well, the first one's hard to get into because everyone's called Thomas. Oh, God. Because they're historical characters. Oh. And so she's no choice. Okay. But just apparently Thomas was a very popular name. So, but That's just so hard. But just plow through. Okay. Even when you're not understanding it, just keep keep reading right and, okay. and then it's like listening to something in a foreign language finally about 20 30 pages in if you get through it it's like listening to something in a foreign language suddenly you get it mm-hmm. and once you, it's 20 30 pages in once you're in you're in and it's just amazing okay let's take a quick minute to take another break for a sponsor 
So this episode is also sponsored by Equilibria. I'm personally so excited to have Equilibria with us as a new sponsor um, because over the past five weeks or so, I've become a super fan of their product. So Equilibria is a medical-grade CBD company created by women for women, though men can take it too. Their products are made on an organic farm in Colorado with a focus on quality ingredients. My personal favorite thing about Equilibria is that they're dedicated to helping each member with a personalized dosage to help you find the right routine. I was always really intrigued by CBD but didn't know where to start. So there's a lot of products, there's a lot of different dosages, you know, you can get 10 milligrams, you can get 25 milligrams, like which one is right. Um, I first started working with them, I consulted with their dosing expert, I told them my two biggest problems which are sleep and period cramps. So the dosage expert gave me a little program. I take the daily drops right before bed to help me fall asleep and then a soft gel to help stay asleep. And then there's the relief cream which is absolutely amazing. Um, One thing I did want to note is my dosage consultant actually upped me to a stronger soft gel. So I was, I started with the 10 milligrams and now I take the 25 milligrams and this, the 25 milligram is wonderful. I sleep all the way through the night, which is really quite big for me. And I do not, I got some DMs about this. I don't wake up drowsy, which I think is important to note. Cause if I take like Zequil or Ambien or something like that's more like an actual sleeping pill. And that makes me really tired the next day. So like I said, I've been using these products for a solid five weeks. My sleep is getting better. Um, The thing I actually noticed the biggest difference with was with my cramps. So I take the CBD every night. And because of that, my cramps were barely noticeable last time, which is so huge for me. Usually like the first day of my period is a nightmare and I have like terrible cramps. My stomach hurts. I just like don't even want to get out of bed. So I didn't even need to use the relief cream. Um, I want to also note that I do have a big blog post on CBD. It went up last week and that has answers to all of your questions from talking about whether you can use it while you're breastfeeding to whether it shows up on drug tests, like literally every single question you could ever want to know it's in that blog post. I also, I'm talking about this for way too long, but I'm really passionate about it. The relief cream works insanely well for sore muscles or even an upset stomach. I've never experienced anything quite like it. You put it on and within like five or 10 minutes, the pain is completely gone. So Again, we have a special offer for you. If you go to equilibriawoman.com and enter code BOP at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. The beginner box is not included in this, but that's BOP for 15% off. Okay, let's get back to Graham. So wait, you're clearly a big reader. What I do read a lot, yeah. What are your favorite genres? What is there anything that like inspired you when you were writing your novels? Um, I mean, it's awful because if you start naming those names, people kind of think, who does he think he <laughs> is comparing himself to that? But um, someone like Kate Atkinson, I think, is great. Oh, okay. Um, because I think she does genre fiction really mm-hmm. well. And yes, there are detectives and mysteries and crimes and things. But actually, it's so much better bigger than that the relationships are fabulous yeah um so is that your genre is your genre like this, heartfelt mysteries this it, it has what been it is. i was trying to describe it so i'm like well it's heartfelt and it's kind of literary but it also has this really dark mystery and well no i was asking what he likes to read not what your oh, book is yeah but so those i like to read i do like crime but i'll kind of read anything i just read um American Dirt, which comes out in January. Oh, yeah. Have you Mm-mm. come across that I've yet? Heard I've it. heard it. I've heard of it. Yeah. Was it um, good? It's really good. It's yeah. really impressive. Um, just, uh, and 
and really kind of hard, it's heartfelt yeah. that's the word of the day uh, <laughs> but, and it's about um, uh, a Mexican woman and her child and um, this isn't a spoiler because it happens in the first few pages her whole family is uh, killed by a cartel okay. and she has to get out and it's her making her way to America okay. and, and doing that whole crossing the border thing and it's yeah it's really okay. good okay we're going to add that to our list no I'm sure it, yeah. someone will send it to you it's, great yeah great yeah um, okay, I have a question about human nature because in this book, A Keeper, I feel like is Graham your therapist now? No, <laughs> like, I, I have do. a question about no, human nature it, because it leads back to the show. But I just felt like you have such an amazing grasp on human nature. We, you know, Elizabeth, the main character, you feel badly for her because her life's kind of falling apart, and you know she has this son, and uh, she's estranged from her husband. Um, but then she does things like the subtle homophobic things. Yeah. How how do you – do you think that getting – you were able to get inside someone's head so well because of all – like all of the people that you meet hosting your show? Do you think that that has anything to do with it? Um, I think maybe that's got something to do with it. I think also it's that we all do those things. You know, if we actually analyze what we think, we're constantly second-guessing ourselves yeah. and thinking, was that the right thing to say? Should I have said that? Um, did, and, yeah. and then we do it with other people. Kind mm-hmm. of like, what did they mean when they said that? Mm-hmm. Did they mean... Yeah. And obviously we don't stop and have those thoughts, but otherwise you just, you'd be paralyzed. You couldn't do anything. But, I have them at like 3 a.m. When I'm like <laughs> laying in bed and can't sleep, I'm like, I did that wrong and I probably was offensive somehow. <laughs> well, there's nothing worse than like that moment where somebody says like, thank you and, or like, en- enjoy your meal. And you're like, you too. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God, why did I say that? Say that yeah. out loud now. Yeah. yeah. And they just walk you away. Going, yeah, and, and they're like, <laughs> I'm the waiter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might enjoy it later cold. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't finish it. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you. What was I rambling on about? Oh, yes, the, the thinking. Um, but also, I think one of the things about this book is, I think, there's two things. I think the, the lengths that people will go to to not be alone are kind of extraordinary, heroic, and brave. And I think it, they still are. You know, back in this book, you know, you're writing letters, you're corresponding, so the mm-hmm. effort involved is so much greater. And it means that you're quite invested in a relationship sure. even before the first date. Mm-hmm. So it's like turning a juggernaut around or something or ter- trying to turn an ocean tanker. You're kind of like, oh, I, I don't like this, but now I appear to be in it. Uh, whereas we can back out of things much faster now because of, you know, Tinder and apps and all those things. But every date I find... I, it breaks my heart because I, there's such a leap of faith. I mean, every date should end with a murder. Because <laughs> Wait, are you dating right now or, or are you in no, a relationship? No. Well, he's murdered uh, all of uh, them. Yeah, they're all dead. I'm a serial killer. <laughs> this, is your last po- this is your last podcast. Uh-oh, we're going to have a live murder. On- <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like Because you're meeting a stranger, you're leaving your apartment, you're going to meet a stranger. Like, why wouldn't you be killed? Of course you're going to be killed. <laughs> And yet off we go. Off we, we brush go. our teeth and off we go. <laughs> and I find that just the loveliest thing about human beings, that that's how hard we'll try to make a connection with someone, to not be alone. Um, and and that ends very badly for one of these characters. Yeah. Um, 
But she does end up with a child, so she's. I guess she's not alone. She does. That there was just like such a big twist where he's writing all these lovely letters to her, no and spoilers. He, he, I'm. I'm not. I'm okay. not doing a spoiler. I promise. I'm like trying to talk about the book without giving away spoilers. But he's writing the most lovely letters to her. But he's so different in person. And when you find out why that is, I almost dropped the book. And I'm not very easily shocked. Oh, wow. I'm so pleased. I, was, I think it was just a twist in a way that was very unexpected compared to all the thrillers I usually read. Well, that bit is true. That particular twist did happen. It happened to the daughter of a friend of my mother's. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I remember hearing it years ago, and obviously I just, my little kind of story squirrel uh, stored it away, and I thought, well, I'll have that. It's a and great... That was kind of, yeah, that was kind of the germ of this book. Was it's that. a great twist. Yeah. You guys all have to go read this book immediately. <laughs> like, it's such a great book. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of I just enjoyed it so much. much. And I'm so, like, I was like, oh, I got to read this before he comes on our podcast. And then I was like, oh, but I love reading this. And I literally did not get off the couch on Saturday until I finished because I needed to know what happened. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I've only started it and I haven't finished it, but now I just want to leave right now. Yeah. yeah don't leave. Guys, <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to find qu- out what you happened. You sit there quietly reading. I'll have Graham all to myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just here turning pages. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> what did the guy do? <laughs> Where do you buy your you're real books, people, aren't you? Yeah, or yeah. you can physical books. Physical she books. was a Kindle person. I've got her over to my side. Yeah. So I, I went back and forth. I was a Kindle person because it's so much easier to travel it with. Is. But then my bookshelves looked like I was a very smart person until about 2012, and then like became <laughs> illiterate. <laughs> and so all the bestsellers. It's like wow, she read a lot of like then contemporary fiction, and like she stopped. Um, and then I went back to it, and you know, I like that your shelves shamed you oh, out of doing well, that, Kindle. That's the best thing. The real reason is even more vapid, and it's that Kindle is terrible to Instagram what you're reading. It's, yeah. it's terrible to take a picture of a screen and be like, here's a book you might like. Like, yeah, yeah in a kind of blurry black and white image. Right. Um, and also, I found, even though it's got that bar at the end, what I love reading, I love reading a book. And you're in the middle, and then you do that thing of going, oh, where am I? Oh, look, mm-hmm. oh, I'm nearly mm-hmm. halfway. Oh, I'm, <laughs> in, oh, I'm three quarters of the way. Oh, I do that I too. I could probably finish it today. Yeah. Whereas Kindle, you just don't know. It, you just don't know, really. You can see the bar, but you don't know. It's, yeah. it's different. I feel like all the satisfying things are missing when you read from a Kindle. Yeah, it's funny the how it hasn't taken off. It smells so nice. And- Audible, I think Audible books are huge now. Oh, I can't do that. I'm a I'm like a visual person and so you could read me a whole book and I would retain none of it. Well, I have a problem. I you know, I've done the audible of this and the sales of audible. Do you read it? Yeah, I do. Okay. And I quite enjoy it, but the the sales of Audible, I think, are for all the people who left Kindle because they didn't like the thing. Oh, okay. interesting. But, but also now Audible's huge because you don't have to carry the CDs around or you don't have to carry mm-hmm. the tapes around. Right. It's just in your phone or in your right. thing, you know, so there's no weight. Um, I just don't think that counts as reading. I don't think so either. And also, <laughs> I, like it's thing, like listening to a I have podcast. a thing with an audiobook where I suddenly realize I've stopped listening. And right. I'm not sure if I stopped listening a minute ago or mm-hmm. 20 minutes ago. Right. So, I, you know, the story's gone. Right. It's gone. Now, did... Did you do voices? Oh, like- don't. Yes, I did. Oh. 
a terrible failed actor. Can Graham. you do some voices for us? No, no, I cannot. You can, <laughs> you can download the Audible book. Here are the voices. It is mortifying. And you do, for you know, you're turning pages and you go, oh no, they talk as well. You know, and like, and characters aren't really a character. They're only yeah. in it for two pages. But they say something. Now I've got to think of a voice for them. <laughs> So I do, I use every single Irish accent I know is in it. So okay. anybody Irish listening to the audiobook think, what a weird town. They're from <laughs> all over Ireland. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> They're all in there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's take another quick minute to talk about our last sponsor for today. So let's talk about modern fertility. Modern fertility is the first comprehensive fertility test that you can take at home. And what's wild is that for so many women, they actually don't have any information about their fertility until they start trying to conceive. And usually, you have to wait until you've been actively trying to have a child for one year before you're eligible for fertility testing at the doctor's office. And I just think that's kind of crazy. Like, you go get blood work, you know about your health in every other way. Why should your fertility be such a mystery? And especially for me, I'm single. I don't know if I want to have children, but I would really like to know what my options are and if I need to start thinking about freezing eggs or, you know, just just what the possibility is in the future. Like, I don't want to be surprised. So what's cool about Modern Fertility is that it's an easy test that you can take at home. It costs $159, which is way less than most testing at the doctor's office, but it is the exact same information that you would get. So you get your results in 10 days and you get a personalized report that tells you about your egg count, looks at your hormone levels, and tells you about any other reproductive red flags. You can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to help you interpret your results. So it's not just all of this medical mumbo-jumbo that you don't know what it means. So I think this is an incredibly cool company and is putting information into the hands of women, whether they're thinking about starting to try to conceive or they just want to know more about their bodies and their options in the future, which is me. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com backslash BOP. So again, $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash BOP. Last time, use the URL. It's modernfertility.com backslash BOP. And back to the episode. So I think switching gears a little bit to just more like personal advice. Oh, yeah. One of the questions we got like multiple times was like, how is he so charming? Is this something that is like more of a muscle that you've had to work on? Or is this just your natural? And he is so charming. Like the second he walked in, I was like, Graham, be my new best friend. Like, <laughs> and I, you know, I think, you know, there's the showing off gene. And then the other gene is the wanting to be liked gene. Yes. And there's been times in my life I sort of hated myself for how strong the wanting to be liked gene is. I have that too. It's bad. And it can be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you encounter people who don't have it, <laughs> yeah, then you realize it's not that bad. As yeah. a, as a, I'd rather have it yeah. than totally a, just as not. A, as a weakness, it's, a, yeah. it's not a bad weakness to have. That's true. Because um, when you meet people who don't have it, it's sort of, it shocks you. Uh-huh. You, you can't quite believe that people yeah. are like that. Um, and on the show... Which is, I you know, is where people see me. Uh, I think the 
the odd thing about doing a talk show is that on one level, it's very high status in yeah. that your name's in the title, you run on at the beginning, there's all those people clapping and cheering, and it's like, yay, smell me, look at me. Yeah. But the minute you get those guests out there, you're low status. Because whoever they are, you've got to Elevate be them. subservient to them and, you know, sometimes pretend <laughs> that they're more interesting, <laughs> funnier, more famous than you are. Um, but that's your job. That's what you're there to do. Yeah. And I think sometimes when talk shows don't work, it's because people have gone into it for one of those things, mm -hmm. forgetting that you've actually, right. you do have to do both of them. You know, if you're just a great listener, it's quite hard to be the host of a show. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a very silent person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, whereas if you think you're going to be the star of the whole show, you're not going to enjoy it either. Right. Because mm -hmm. you can't be. You've got to sit back. Well, I mean, that's a hard question to answer. Like, how are you so charismatic? But the one thing I know you're known for is getting just like incredible stories out of people that like have never been told before. Like, how do you think about putting people at ease that you've maybe never met before. And I think, you know what, it's a lot of it is the team, the research team. Okay. Who go to extraordinary lengths. They kind of watch um watch lots of interviews they've done on TV, but they'll also go to, you know, Q and A's that people have done after films, which are all taped now and they're somewhere yeah. on YouTube if you look hard enough. Um there are Q and A's, there's kind of commencement addresses people do mm -hmm. or you know you can see a lot of people. Um, and because we only do one show a week, we've got the time mm -hmm. to do that sort of research. So often we'll go to a guest and we'll say, oh, could you tell the story? And they'd be like, what? What story is that? Yeah. And they forgot. And they'd, and they'd be so thrilled. They'd be like, oh, my, that is a great story. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I'll tell that. <laughs> and also because we don't have commercials, um, it's a kind of more, it's a longer form thing. So actually, if you want to tell a long story, you can. Yeah. Whereas on an American talk show, you've got your eight minute segment. And if you, if you're talking too long, you begin to panic. You're thinking, Oh, if I, have I used up all right. my time now with this story or will I even finish this story by right, the end yeah. of the thing? And yeah. Would you consider yourself introverted or extroverted? I mean, I have to say extroverted. Yeah. Uh, just because it's my job. Yeah. You know, but how uh, do you recharge? Like, do you, re you finish? the taping the show you get to just chill out is it with other people or by yourself um a bit of both sometimes i okay. just head home with the dogs sometimes yeah. i'll go out for dinner with friends uh there's normally alcohol in my life yeah um at a certain point in the evening um and dogs i think are really very useful if you like books you mm -hmm. love dogs <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Do either of you have a dog? I, have I a really cat. would like a dog. Uh, yeah. Anyway, back to your dog. <laughs> no, I don't have a dog. I oh, like snubs. a dog. <laughs> I just moved. I just moved in. Are you not allowed dogs? I wasn't in my old apartment, and okay. so now I am. Oh, you are. And I think the hardest part will be choosing the dog. We'll be like finding the dog. Because um, I want to adopt a dog, but yeah. I also have. Oh no. No, no. You should adopt a dog. What? Well, I want to adopt a dog, but, but I have high standards. They just don't tell you how hard it's going to be. I know, and I yeah. have high Which standards. Which I shouldn't I shouldn't be saying yeah. this out loud because everyone should adopt a dog. Right. But having adopted a dog, it's hard. It's hard. They have Getting the, a breeder dog is hard too. My parents have a Welsh Terrier Airedale. Oh, they're And they have spent so much money getting her disciplined, like taking her to dog camp to learn how to sit and like be Oh, yeah, money's a terror. Yeah. She's a terror. The Welsh Terriers are very 
they mm-hmm. know what they want. Wait, what kind of dogs do you have? I've got, um, well, at the time of speaking, because two of them are very old. Um, oh, no. Uh, a, a Labradoodle, who's going to be 15, touch wood. Um, a little Scrappy Terrier, she's the rescue. And here's the other thing. Um, often they don't tell you the truth. Because, oh, sure. Because no one wants to adopt an older dog. So they always tell you, oh, well, we think she's about a year. And she's 10. Well, not quite 10, but I think anything under six is a year. (laughs) We think she's about a year. So this terrier was supposed to be a year and a half. Yeah, turns out she's older than the Labradoodle. Oh, my God. So she's about 16 or 17. Oh, my God. And like all her hair has fallen out. She shakes all the time. Her teeth are falling out. I mean, but she's still going. Oh. And and then a little six-year-old cockerpoo. So he's he's the hope for the future. (laughs) He's our he's the children. He's the generation. (laughs) Three. That's amazing. Is it hard traveling? Yes, it's hellish. It's uh, they do complicate your life a lot. Yeah, but it's I think it's worth it. Yeah, because actually people say they're a tie. They're not a tie. You don't want to leave. Yeah, I don't want to leave my cat. I mean. It's hard leaving him, but I just feel like a dog would be so hard to leave. It is hard. I mean, I'm lucky in that, um, I, well, I suppose I planned my life this way. I go to Ireland for the summer. So we spent okay. two months in Ireland for the summer. So it's only when I come here that I don't have them. Yeah. Um, so uh, I am with them most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know we'd get talking about dogs, but there you go. I know. I always want to talk about dogs. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I, I would like a corgi. They're quite yappy, aren't they? Some of them. Yeah. I just like their butts. They're so funny. They are, They're but so I funny. feel bad about getting docked dogs. What's a docked dog? Well, here I notice your corgis are still docked. We don't dock them anymore. But it's where they docked? cut the tails off. Oh. So here your corgis have no tails. Okay. I've noticed. They've got those really, and you're right, they're adorable. When they walk down, their little butt cheeks are so fat. Yeah. That's so and they funny. Like, what, 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 they're yeah. adorable looking. But in Britain now, corgis have tails. Oh, okay. I would yeah. have one with or without a tail. You'll probably be without. I think here they, oh, okay. if it's a if it's a proper corgi, they'll have to Oh, interesting. Tail. Well, it feels like we're already in the random grab bag section. So <laughs> can we lay some random grab bag please, questions Please, please do. You? Yeah. Okay. So we got a lot of questions about this and I don't know about this. So I'm curious to hear. Tell us about your longtime friendship with Dolly Parton. Well, um, I, I don't this is have, the most random question. I don't have but a long term. But it came term. up so many times yeah. that we were like, oh. I don't have a long term relationship with her, except I adore her. I mean, I do have a long term relationship, but it's one sided. It's like, <laughs> you know, we all love Dolly. Yeah. So, yes, I have a very long relationship with Dolly. I love her. Alone. Uh, but she, she knows I exist. She's been on okay. my show. She's been on my, uh, on my show a couple of times. And when I got some, like, lifetime achievement y thing back in the UK, she taped such a lovely message it sort of made me cry it was Aww. really 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 lovely um but the the odd my odd bonding thing with dolly parton was that we were making a christmas special uh for the uk and it was graham goes to dollywood so we went to pigeon forge in tennessee um to make this hour-long special with dolly parton and this and this is so odd it's sort of a completely random thing and it makes no sense. But the day we started filming in Dollywood was 9-11. Oh. And it so Dollywood happened to be shut that day anyway. But we're there and we're making our stupid documentary. Like a documentary. It wasn't a documentary. It was just like me yeah. sort of farting about in Dollywood. <laughs> 
and you know dressing up as an elf and she was <laughs> dressed as Mrs. Santa and you know you can imagine a yeah. Christmas special in Dollywood. But the first day we were filming, I think there were all these kind of plastic rocks that are, are actually speakers. Okay. And normally they pipe Dolly Parton music mm-hmm. to the thing, but it was NPR radio was being piped to the thing. And like we were sitting in Dollywood and Dollywood's deserted. There's nobody there. And we're eating our sandwiches, sitting on the ground, listening to the news through radio. Oh my God. So it, and then of course there were no flights. So we were all there. So we were just sort of stuck in Dollywood with Dolly. Dolly was there. Um, but Dollywood did reopen, I mean, that week. Yeah. Um, and it it felt like a really safe, lovely place to yeah. be. Um, and also, it I'd never understood just how big America is. It felt like such a distant news there. Absolutely. You know, people, it was like news of something that happened in Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really, the disconnect was huge. And we felt it because we'd literally flown into New York, spent a few days there and then flown to Pigeon Ford. So we were like, we felt We were connect- just there. Yeah. 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 Whereas the people there didn't. I mean, the night of 9-11, we were at Di- Dolly's Dixieland Stampede watching pig racing. Oh. Uh, 5,000 people were cheering on pig racing. And we were like, your president's in a bunker. Yeah. Um, like, this is, yeah. this is weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very odd. Wow. Yeah. And have you and Dolly kept up since then? No, no, oh, we have okay. not. No, but we <laughs> but we spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time that week. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was because it was like being in a pressure cooker because the world was going crazy and we were so removed from it. Yeah. Right. We were sitting in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Yeah. Which isn't even the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not that central. It's sort of yeah. it, It's really on the edge. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a very extraordinary time. Anyway, that was, yeah. that's my answer to Dolly Parton. Okay. Um, the next question is, would you ever get back into acting? Your acting in Father Ted is hilarious. You don't get Father Ted here, do you? No, no but no. somebody's seen okay, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't seen it. Yeah. This it's, is a, a it's, a, it's a sitcom. And I trained as an actor, and I think I used to say, oh, I'll go to my grave a failed actor rather than a successful anything else. <laughs> and then a few years ago... Uh, I got the opportunity to be in a West End musical in the Kaja Fall. And it was, you know, it, so this is it. You know, here I am having failed out of drama school. I didn't get work. I, this was it. This was like, you know, I've, I've won a competition. I get to be in a West End musical. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. And it, what, what it did for me was it gave me such a, a, uh, appreciation mm-hmm. of the life I did have and that it turned out my dreams had changed. And in fact, my dreams had come true. Right. That that wasn't my dream anymore. Theater mm. is such a grueling schedule. Oh, it's such hard work. Yeah. Once you've done a little bit of telly, I yeah. <laughs> really don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the camaraderie of it. I love being part of a company. Um, I, that bit I did like. Sure. Just being with a cast and the backstage and da, da, da. But just the grind of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also never, I never really felt on top of it. Mm-hmm. I never felt as secure as I do. Like when I host my show, I feel like I'm in charge mm-hmm. and yeah. I sort of can handle this and it doesn't really matter what happens. I'll be able to steer this boat to some sort of dock or shore. Uh, whereas in that show, I never felt like that. I and hope- is that Father Ted? 
No. Uh, oh. Father Ted was just a sitcom I did years ago, probably about 30 years ago, I think. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Bring uh, back Father Ted. But people still watch it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, and actually, it stands up because it's sort of timeless. It's not, it's, yeah. it's set okay. in a small Irish uh, community and it's about priests. Yeah. Uh, and I think British people thought it was like a surreal comedy. Yeah. Whereas Irish people watch it like a documentary. It's just that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's just what it's like. Okay. Well, I want to talk about your style. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, your on-air style has toned down a little bit, but do you have a favorite crazy fashion memory or like a favorite outfit? Oh, I've worn some hideous things. I I think I was Britain's worst dressed man uh, two years in a row. Oh, no. wow. Yeah. What yeah. an honor. I know. Yeah. Well, I did feel like a bit of an honor. Um, now, but, were you trying for that or did you genuinely no, like it, what you were wearing? I genuinely liked what I was oh, wearing. Oh, great. Then, yeah. You know, we just fuck everyone. We just had Simon Doonan on. He's the oh, um, yes. yeah, yeah. So he has just, he written a new book? Um, yes, he wrote a book called On Drag. It's right there, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was just talking about style, and he's like, "I just don't think people should care what other people think, and you, sh- if people hate your outfit, you're doing something right." Well, I suppose the only thing is you want to feel comfortable in of what course. you're wearing. Sure, but so if, if you, you love feel, it, so if people are you know spitting on you on the street, you're probably not that comfortable. Uh, true. <laughs> true. Um, did so, it get that far? No, no, it never got that far. Uh, I, that was an extreme example. Okay. Uh, I think I started dressing loudly when I was in Cork, uh, in County Cork, in when I went to university there. And it was something about, I don't know, it was like a wanting to be seen. Mm-hmm. Like, but literally, I want to be seen. Yeah. It was like some sort of proof you existed. If people noticed you you were alive and in the world. And I think the more famous you become, the less you want that. Sure. So that's probably why my okay. style is told down, even though I'm wearing sort of... I love your blazer. Mag- He's mag- wearing... I love your blazer. Easy. He's wearing this like floral, corally. It's like yeah. Hawaiian flowers, but toned down. Yeah. it's yeah. But it's a lot. It's I love it. It's a lot for a jacket, but uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm doing press. But, but <laughs> what's your favorite like crazy outfit that you... That you've ever worn? Ooh, uh, there's been a lot of them. I remember once years ago, I was in uh, uh, Dolce Gabbana. Mm-hmm. This must be 25 years ago. And I was going to some award show and I bought these trousers that had kind of little mirrors on them and jewels and stuff. They were okay. white. Oh, I want that. That sounds nice. And then nice. I got this really cool shirt that had all these little metal embroidery things. It was like a dress shirt and all the metal embroidery. And I'm thinking, what to wear with it? And there's a jacket in the corner on this mannequin. This is probably 25 years ago. And I went, ooh, that jacket's amazing. And the guy goes, mm, it's quite expensive. Ooh! And, I, and I'm thinking... Yeah. You know how much I just paid for these stupid trousers and this yeah. shirt. Like, tell me about expensive. You know, and I work on TV. Um, and I'm like, really? How much is it? £35,000. Oh, my God. Like, a home. now, a- like, you could buy a house in towns yeah. in, in Britain for that. Sure. Yeah. So I borrowed it. I borrowed okay. it. But uh, I think I, I must have lost a few thousand pounds off it because it was all jewels. I think some of them were semi-precious. And because, like, so if you did that, a jewel Mm -hmm. would get stuck from your arm onto your body. And then you'd go to stage somebody's hand and you'd hear clatter. And you're like, oh, no. I have a sequin dress like that where I can't, like, touch my arm to my side where they just connect. And I'm like, okay, I just ruined it. (laughs) Um, So now for the show, do you style yourself or do you, like... It's somebody's job. It's somebody's job. But do you get a... (laughs) I assume you get a say. 
Yeah, I mean, if I really, but I don't, I mean, I think, I think as you get older, you have to be more put together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when you're 21, if you're missing a tooth, it's kind of raffish and, you know, it's great. <laughs> but if you're 56, you look homeless. Sure. So, uh, so you need to fix all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, you need you to get your yeah. teeth done. You need to keep your hair neater than you used to. Um, so that's why I've started wearing ties all the time. Okay. Um, just because you just need more help. Um, <laughs> and you need to kind of wear proper structured. That's why this jacket is rare. My, my stylist wouldn't put me in this because one, it's louder and also it's got no lining or padding okay so it's, it's just so it's just hanging on me okay whereas she likes things where your shoulders look square and all that okay sort of well i mean this is audio so you can't see him but i'm here to tell you he looks great <gasps> thank yeah, you very much you I'll, I'll go along with that lie so wait <laughs> i want to talk about drag race in the uk <gasps> yes because we are so excited for you to be a judge yes now i'm not i'm on every second week so it's a british community so this basically counts oh yeah no no i love it so rue obviously queen of the thing right uh, Michelle Visage uh, the crown princess and then it's me and a British comedian called Alan Carr and then a guest judge so a different right. guest judge every time and in the final it's us four the kind of key four we're there for the final right so we've taped it all uh huh um, I don't know who's won because they do this thing where you weren't on that episode yeah I was oh but they tape multiple endings they oh do this God. here they do it here oh. as well they tape is that a secret I think so it might be a secret oh and then they decide. <laughs> they decide based on like who fans like, or they like do it to like keep everyone on their toes. I well, they don't want spoilers. Got it. So if any, so I think it's it's oh, really so the contestants don't even know. So it's not no. like you can go home and be like, I won. No, nobody knows. Wow. Got it. So uh, it's to avoid spoilers. It and it was Rue. It came to him in a dream mm-hmm. uh, how to avoid the spoilers, and you tape everybody winning. Not everybody, but you know, like the final now, people in. This version, I'll be very surprised if I don't know who's won. Okay. To me. Okay. But I could be surprised because, as you say, if social media decides someone else should have been crowned. Right. You know, they're going to be reading all that. Right. You know, and they mm. want they'll want the winner to be a star mm-hmm. and to have a life after this show. So we'll see. Now, how was filming the show? I feel like it was – it must have been a blast. And the – based on the previews at least – the UK queens are like really top caliber because it's not like the beginning of Drag Race in the US where it was like this unknown show that was on Logo that nobody had ever heard of where it was like the UK was like, we're bringing our best. Well, I know I'm surprised. I thought I'd know more of uh, the queens. On oh, it. OK. Yeah. I knew a couple of them, but not many. They, they just seemed like better queens than like some of the very early drag race queens in the US. Well, I think what it what's interesting about the UK one is they've gone for they've gone for a couple of kind of the Instagram mm-hmm, look mm-hmm. queens, but they've gone with people who have an act. Mm-hmm. And that's what I often think about drag race is yes, that look on the runway is amazing, but if I was in a bar at midnight Will you entertain me? <laughs> will, right. you, will you be funny? Will yeah, you have anything right. to do? And to me, I mean, and, and people are different about this. You know, some people want the big Glamazonian glamour look. I want someone who's good on a mic. I want someone Same. who can make me laugh, who can, you know, be outrageous in that kind right. of drag persona. And I think the UK, I think, as uh, maybe I'm biased, but I think is funnier. I think they're across the board... They have bigger, better personalities. Now, some of the runway looks are quite tragic. 
they're they're really pretty basic. There is some not very good drag on it, but the but the, I think what you get the the mm-hmm. you know the the reward for that is how funny they are. They're great. Oh, I can't wait. Can't I wait. hope it's a success. I hope people like it because. Because also you've got to remember that this is going to be on British TV. To, and so lots of people have watched it. You know, you guys will watch it. And in the UK, lots of people will watch it on Netflix or mm-hmm. online yeah. or whatever. But it'll now, we're going to, it's coming to an audience in the UK cold, you know, where they won't have seen this before. Yeah. So to a point where like Rue has to explain what, you know, Shantae means and Sashay away, you know. Oh, as a because why I, would you know? I guess so. Yeah, why would yeah. you know what that means? Um, so, so I feel like we're in an odd place. It's where, like the, there's like you have to educate them yeah, and entertain, and them. you want to keep yeah. and you want to keep the existing fans mm-hmm. as well. But I think it's I think it's really good. I loved doing it. It was such a happy, happy thing. I felt like yeah, a competition I, winner. I can't imagine a more fun gig than just showing yeah. up and like watching a great drag show oh, every so other fun. week or however you filmed it. Yeah, and what you forget though is how intense it is for them. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, I'm sure. They're filming it all day, every day. So we come in every second day for a runway. And you know, that's why they're crying. That's why they're having they're weird, so tired. weird yeah. meltdowns and stuff because they're exhausted and under such pressure. And it becomes everything. You know, you probably go in there being really... You know, giving yourself the pep talk. I won't get sucked down. That way. I'll be fine. I'm just, and I'm sure, like three days in, you're just screaming and throwing hairpins across the room. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, hats off to them. Wigs off to them. Seriously. Yeah. So, thank you so much for doing this with us today. I've, I don't think I've ever been on a podcast before. Are you serious? I really feel like this is a proper. I feel oh. like I'm in a proper podcast this is exciting well you've earned do, do you have do you have the the podcast music oh yeah we do yeah <gasps> i love the podcast music is there do you mean specific music or just like it's, theme music it's always a bit similar podcast yeah. music uh well i mean it's all cheap stock music yeah, yeah. it's stock. all we can afford it's a yeah. little bit of ukulele or harpsichord <laughs> oh or we have a little ukulele do you have yeah. ukulele? Yeah. Oh, lovely oh great <laughs> i'm so pleased but wait you have earned your very own desperation minute is what we call it where tell you get people to tell everyone what can they do for you where do they buy your book? Where do oh, they follow okay. you? What do when you do they watch Drag Race? Like, uh, dra- just give them a to-do list, basically. Okay. Uh, drag Race, I know, is here on WOW Presents Plus or something. It's online. You have to pay for it. Um, a Keeper, my novel, is, uh, I'm told, is in bookshop. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it it's is, on Amazon. It's definitely online. You can yeah. definitely buy it online. But, uh, you know. Please me. Go into a bookshop and ask for it. Uh, go demand Oh, my God. It. We're going to do this this weekend. We're going to go to every bookstore sh- in Brooklyn Thank and you. be like, where is a keeper? Yeah. Put it on order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please do. do and then just All go back. All my friends yeah. are talking about that. Do that and then don't co- go back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just order it. That's all I want you to do is order yeah. it. Um, and uh, that's really what they can do for me. I am genuinely so pleased that it has been published here because it's not sort of it's it's less of a celebrity book here and more yeah. of a just a novel a, uh, a story that um that hopefully people will read and yeah. enjoy and it's twisty and turny i i must say i am whatever about the writing i don't know but i do think the plot is it's a good plot it's a yeah. great plot yeah. and wait where can people find you online are you on instagram or twitter or oh, i'm on all those things but really i i hardly post at all but uh on instagram i'm at granort g-r-a-h-n-o-r-t and twitter the same yeah, great. Buy his book. And thank you so much for this. I've really enjoyed myself. We've enjoyed We've it. We've enjoyed ourselves. Oh, good. 
Thank you. Oh my God, Grace, how obsessed are you with Graham? Graham Norton was in my apartment. I just can't, I can't get over that fact. He was so gracious. He was lovely. He had such good stories. Such good stories. So nice. So down to earth. Oh, I'm obsessed. How do we outdo ourselves with this one? Should we just quit? Yeah, let's quit. Sorry, guys. The podcast is done. Bye. Bye. Just kidding. Just kidding. Becca, besides Graham, what are you obsessed with right now? Okay, so my obsession is kind of silly. So, you know those Amazon sunglasses that we both have that I was talking about as my obsession a few weeks ago? Yeah. Okay. So they're like $11, so they don't come with a case, obviously. Um, But I am so hard on my sunglasses. Like, I usually carry around a big tote bag, and everything's just knocking around in it. And, like, half the time my computer's in that bag, too. So I just am like – I mean, I don't care that much because they're $11, but it's like, yeah, I'm going to break these real fast. So um, yesterday I was in Madewell. I was like killing some time and I noticed that they have these sunglass cases and they're like the hard ones. They're not like the, the soft pouch. It's like an actual hard glasses case. And I got this really cute leopard one and it was only $10. That's and great. And it fits the Amazon sunglasses I love perfectly. that your case costs almost, almost as much as your sunglasses. But I think $10 is pretty reasonable. Totally. Like, look at it. Isn't that cute? Oh, that's super cute. Yeah, and it's like, it's good yeah. quality. Yeah, I like that. I almost got a skirt with that same pattern on it, but yeah. it was sold out in my size. So I I got them and I, I got this and I was like, oh, I feel... Love. I feel like I'm going to protect my sunglasses now. Yeah. Usually I like, I just lose sunglasses. So yeah. maybe that will help with that too. Great. What about you? I have two. So my first, I'll say the I'll say the like the normal one first. My first is if you follow me on Instagram, I posted a makeup tutorial like with all my favorite clean beauty picks. And my one thing that was like one of my holdouts was a good blush. I've tried a lot of clean blushes and like they either slide off my face or the color isn't exactly what I want. And for me, NARS Orgasm Blush is like the best blush. It's perfect. It's so pretty. It like makes you just look so glowy and natural. Um, and a lot of you told me to try Beauty Counters Blush in Nectar. It stays on all day. It's really pretty. It's got that like that golden pe- like peachy pink color to it. It's like the an exact dupe for orgasm. So I'm super excited about that because I am trying to use mostly clean beauty products. I I say I'm about eighty twenty, but I want my core routine to be like a hundred percent, and then when I test and want to play with things, those can be like not clean products. So that was exciting. I don't even care about that one. I want to hear about your your other obsession. My other obsession is this is not a pregnancy announcement. My pregnancy pillow. Oh my gosh. So I've been seeing this massage therapist who is wonderful. If you're in the Brooklyn area, go to Press Massage and go see Jennifer. I don't know her last name. There's only one Jennifer. She is wonderful. And so she's been really helping me because my shoulders are are very tight and very like rounded forward. And she was like, I got to tell you, like all of my friends – like men and women, we all sleep with pregnancy pillows. And I think this would be really good for you. And I was like, excuse me, what? And she said, it's really supportive and it helps, especially if you sleep on your stomach or your side, because that can like really crunch your shoulders forward. Like my shoulders kind of slope forward. I have terrible posture. I'm working on it every day. So I was intrigued by it. She gave me the one to order. It was $40. I was like, well, 
let's do this, see how it goes, call it research. I slept in it last night. I literally did not want to get out of bed this morning. I felt like I was like in a womb. So it's not the one, it's in my Amazon shop if you're like looking for this. It's not the seahorse one. There's one that looks like a seahorse and it goes between your legs. It's the um, U-shaped one and you sleep in between it and you kind of like hug it from the side, but then the other side supports you like and like helps with like your spinal alignment. It is wonderful. I am obsessed with it. I like can't wait to go back to bed tonight because it's so soothing being in it. You feel like you're just like in this like pod of warmth and happiness. Okay, so I already bought one. It comes tomorrow. Alex bought one too. I'm very intrigued based on the pictures. It looks very comfortable. And I mean, it like it looks like cocoony, which it just seems cozy. But then also I like, um, did you ever have one of those like, I don't even know what to call it. Like one of those backrest things. Yeah, the husband pillow. Yeah, like to like work to read or read work. or work in mm-hmm. bed or something. You can also use it like that. So you can like prop it up and then like wrap yourself in it. There's all these photos on the Amazon page of different ways the lady is sitting with it or sleeping with it. I'm so intrigued. I want to say one thing about it in case anyone buys this exact one because it's great and it's only $42. It um, comes in a box And I was like, this can't be it. It's way too small. It is shrink-wrapped into like a bag and you have to cut the bag open and then you have to fluff it up and then you have to put it inside. It comes with a case and you can take the case off and wash it. So it's a little confusing when you get it. That's kind of a plus to me because I was wondering – like if it would be really big and bulky to carry upstairs no it's not great but i was like what is this like i thought maybe it was books or something because the box was so small i'm pumped mine comes tomorrow i may or may not be at your party because i might just be in bed with my with my pregnancy pillow honestly like it's wonderful i could talk about this for hours and i don't want to but it's so great i feel like every year we have a sleep obsession so last year if you're a long-time listener it was the gravity blanket and then this year, I think it's the pregnancy pillow. Yeah. And so I really want I really want Knight to make one because, like, I think it would be much better quality. <laughs> yeah. We suggested that to them. Yeah. We told them. So hopefully they do. Because this is, like, it's kind of janky, but it, it works. Like, is you the don't... case gross? No, it's nice. Okay. It's, like, a nice – I got the gray one. It's, like, a nice jersey case. Oh, it's jersey. Okay. Yeah, like, I didn't know if it was going to be, like, No. You know scratchy. those, like, jersey sheets? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But it's definitely, like, when you get it and you open it up, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Okay. I'm ready. Yeah. I've been prepared. Yes. So I just, like, you guys get a pregnancy pillow. It's a game changer. What about on Instagram? So on Instagram, as part of my shopping bender that I've been on, um, I discovered this new-to-me brand called Farm Rio. Do you know it? No. Okay, you've definitely seen it because Shanae Alexander has been wearing a ton of clothes from them recently. So I ordered a ton of dresses from there for our live shows, and they haven't come yet, so I don't know if I like them or not. But, oh my god, I just wanted everything on this website. It's so cute. Like, really fun dresses, and they're between, like, $150 and $300. So they're expensive, but they're not, like, break-the-bank expensive. They're not $1,000. Yeah. So for like a a special occasion, like I think that's in the realm of possibility. But anyway, I'm very excited. I I guess this is like less about their Instagram and more about the brand. But I followed them on Instagram because I want to see, I want to keep up with what's new. Yeah. 
What about you? What What are you obsessed with on Instagram? Mine is Ferris Does Faces. So it's F-A-R-R-I-S Does Faces. This is Gray Benko's daughter. And her daughter always does like this like crazy makeup on like Gray's friends and different people. And so Gray made a separate account for it. And it's just really wonderful. It's just fun. How the old ma- is she? I don't know. She's under 10. She's little. Okay. And she like puts like makeup on. It's like abstract art is the result. I it's used to like really fun to watch. Beg my mom to let me do her makeup when I was a kid. You're gonna like this. It's just like a very fun. It's a fun thing to it's add a to pure your feed. thing. Yeah, yeah. What about reading? I see that you have been doing a lot. Okay, so I read American Predator by Maureen Callahan. It is crazy. It is about this serial killer, and it's completely true. What is his name? It's about Israel Keys, and. He was, like, the most meticulous, terrifying serial killer I've ever read about. He's not the Zodiac killer, right? No. It was the scariest book to read because the way that he did it was just so calculated but also so random, like the woman he chose. And I was like, this could happen to me. I could be killed. Oh, I don't need to know about that. It was wonderful. You know, I like scary. Is it out yet? Um, Yes, it's out. It came out, I think, er a little earlier this month in September. Um... (laughs) Next one. Everyone's going to stop listening and like unfollow me. But I, I borrowed Fleischman is in trouble from Becca and I hated it. It was very boring and very slow. I felt like it just kept dragging and I, I stuck with it because everyone loved it so much. And the the final 50 pages were good. I That's liked, so interesting because I really liked it up until the final 50 pages. Interesting. I liked hearing... I don't want to give anything away. I liked hearing the wife's perspective. I think that that is, says it but doesn't say what, what anything else. Oh, my God. It left me depressed. It was like never get married, never have children. You're going to ruin your life. Was never what go I took. on Tinder. Never go on Tinder. Also, like the, the portrayal of his Tinder is so different from anything I've ever expected from online dating. I've never sent any strangers like graphic shots or anything. I don't know. I just really didn't like it. I was really upset by it. I was bored by it when I wasn't upset. I hated this book. I haven't like had this kind of a reaction to a book in a long time. Well, okay. Agree to disagree because I I generally enjoyed it. I gave it a four out of five. What did you like about it? I like a really detailed character study. And so I think I loved how neurotic he was and like how it was not just like, oh, this is a quirky neurotic person. You like understood how his brain worked kind of. I believe it that. I did. I like New York books too. So it's okay. set on the Upper West Side and it's very like New York is a very big part of it. And I thought it was a very good portrayal of New York. I will agree on both of those points. And I will say it's really well written. Like it's I, I'm not snarking on on Taffy, the Taffy and her writing. I just did not like the plot. I did not like what it was about. It made me feel upset okay. and bored. <laughs> like bored for the first half and upset through the middle and then intrigued but also upset at the end. Fair. Yeah. But I did put that on my stories and a lot of – there was a lot of people who d- came and defended the book and then a lot of people said they agreed. So I felt a little better. The last thing I'm reading, which I just started reading, is from one of our prior guests. Akila Hughes wrote her um, book of essays, her memoir, which is called Obviously. And I don't – I haven't read enough of it to have a valid – like a, a formed opinion but I love Akila, and I think everyone should go buy her book to support her. So on my side, 
I got my hands on... I'm so... This is next on my list. On Anna Kay by Jenny Lee. So this is the book that Katie McGee was recommending in the bonus episode that we did with her. And she said it's like Gossip Girl meets, well, I guess like Russian literature because it's a modern retelling of Anna Karenina. And so this one was... It was a lot. It was good. There was a lot of sex and drugs. It was very unsupervised teens. A lot of them were very unlikable. It was like I was into it. I can't wait to read this. So, yeah, Katie raved and raved about it. And then we emailed her the publisher and we're like, can we get this? So what I'm more excited about than the book, though, is apparently they're adapting it into a TV series for HBO Max. And it will make such a good TV show. Oh, I can't wait. So I read that. And then I'm still reading The Girl Who Never Read Noam Chomsky. Like, people are probably sick of hearing about this. It's like little vignettes. So I'll just kind of like read 10 pages at a time. And I'm still reading it. But my goal is that by the time we record the next one, I'm finished with it. So you don't have to listen to me talk about it anymore. But it is still wonderful. I still love it. Okay. Um, And then I also started, obviously, by Akilah Hughes. And I read like the first essay. It just came in the mail. So I'm excited to get into that. But I like, I don't know what I'm going to read next. I've got a, a list. Oh, you know what I just bought that I'm super excited to read is I think it's called Fashion Climbing by um, Bill Cunningham. It's his memoir that he wrote while he was, obviously he wrote it while he was still alive, but it's been published really recently. Oh, I don't want that. But I'm if anyone has read anything really excellent, maybe I'll start a thread in the Facebook group for like best recent reads. Yeah. So that's our show for today. If you want more of us, um, you can find us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast, and you can also join our Facebook group. And make sure you are subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. Did you see we were on the homepage of Spotify? Yes. That was so cool. Our Simon Dunan episode was like featured on the Spotify homepage, which felt so major. Yeah, that was really cool. And we haven't begged you for this in a while. Leave us a review. Please leave us a review. It makes such a difference. Come to a live show if you live in San Francisco, D.C., Philly, Dallas, Atlanta, or New York. Yes, please do that. Tickets are at badonpaperpodcast.com backslash live. And we're so excited. Yes, cannot wait. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.